0: You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Welcome back to Leadership Jam Session. If you're listening for the first time, my name is Rob Fonte. I'm a leadership development consultant and coach with more than 20 years experience in leading teams. For more information about me or how you can subscribe to the show, please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. Now, enough about me. Today's guest is a hockey legend. I'm sitting down with Brian Propp, whose National Hockey League career spanned across 15 years. He is a legendary Philadelphia Flyer who appeared in five NHL All-Star games and played in five, let me repeat that, five Stanley Cup championships throughout the 80s and 90s. Brian was also named to the Philadelphia Flyers Hall of Fame. Brian's also a former sports broadcaster, entrepreneur, and a philanthropist in his community. Brian Propp is currently the Director of Strategic Relationships at Wolf Commercial Real Estate in New Jersey. I think you'll be interested to hear about Brian's journey, a leadership journey filled with tremendous success, as well as having to lead through adversity both on the ice and later on off the ice in life, including suffering a massive stroke almost five years ago, which we'll talk about his inspirational story to recovery a little later in the show. Brian, welcome to Leadership Jam Session.
1: Thanks, Rob. I, I appreciate it.
0: So you come from Canada. It's, is it almost like a law there that, that you have to skate and, and play hockey?
1: Yeah, everybody does. Uh, even my sisters played hockey. And uh, I grew up in a town of 300 people in Saskatchewan, Canada. My dad was a Lutheran minister. I have uh, two brothers and two sisters and we're all thirteen months apart. So we had our own hockey team at that time. For me, uh, my dad was my hero uh, because i uh, I loved what he did with the ministry, and he taught me how to play hockey. He taught me how to give back, be honest, and I, I have, uh, you know, I learned from that from my dad at the start.
0: Sounds like your dad was a huge inspiration to you as well, had a lot of influence in, in shaping and molding you as well. So, what did you struggle with the most, maybe early on in your career?
1: Uh, so, at, at the start, uh, when I was 15 years of old, uh, I, I played for the Melville Millionaires, and that year, I won the MVP of the league, uh, I set the record for points that year, and I just played and had fun. It wasn't until uh, I, I was 16, 17, and 18 when I played for the Brandon Wheat Kings, uh, I had to live with another family, and uh, w- and from there I learned my independ- independence. I still was very naive and uh, had a lot to, to learn. Uh, but gave me uh, an opportunity to be a leader on with hockey because at that time, uh, we, uh, Brandon was a powerful hockey team and we didn't lose that, that many games and the coaching was really good. And a, and a couple of friends that I had that I still uh, talk with to the day, like Ray Allison and, and Brad McCrimmon, you know, like they were good leaders for me, but I was a quiet leader. I practiced hard. I did all the things I needed to do, uh, but it, by being so quiet, you know, people knew that uh, you know I, I wasn't that out outspoken. But I led by example.
0: Did you find that that was challenging when when you made it into the international the hockey league? Because again, there's a lot of leaders out there, particularly in, in the corporate world, that do have that quiet leadership presence that oftentimes get either overlooked or it's kind of like the the out of sight out of mind, and yet they have tremendous leadership presence, but it just gets overlooked. So I'm just curious when you made it into, into the pros, if that kind of held you back a little bit to some degree.
1: Uh, yes. Uh, I know that in 1979, uh, I, I started with the Flyers at that time, uh, but I had a great leader, uh, Bob Clark, who was an awesome leader. He uh, taught me from the start how to uh, practice hard, how to live by live by example, be consistent, and, and I listened to him and all the things that he's been doing in his life. Uh, it, he was uh, 10 years after they won a couple Stanley Cups in '74 and '75, but he was always one of the top leaders in the world. And uh, but I was really quiet the, the first couple of years. Uh, you know, of course we had had good success. Uh, I didn't really have to talk that much uh, the press uh, let me alone uh, like I just uh, answered yes and no and so it was a, I was very uh, naive and what I had to learn after time uh, and I think uh, we uh, won uh, we won 35 and without a loss in my first season as a rookie I, lo- I learned how to win at that time and then we went to the stanley cup finals my first year in the league and so everything was really good for me just like from brandon we had powerful teams with good coaching and good leadership we, we learned how to win all the time and it wasn't until a couple years later we lost in the first round of the playoffs my uh, after two years and so i learned at that time that i had to be much better in the playoffs And uh, I got roasted a little bit from the press because I was a scorer. It was no excuses. And so I really learned an example of getting a little better and talking a little bit more and being a little bit more outspoken.
0: So it was in the playoffs where you said you got roasted by the press. How did you get roasted?
1: Well, because uh, we lost in the first round, and at, at that time it was best of five uh, series, and the Rangers uh, had a good goalie. We outshot them a lot, and uh, you know I knew that I was playing well, but I, I didn't pr- produce that much. I only I scored a couple goals, and and uh, but uh, they were expecting a little bit more of me. So I learned at an early age, like after being in the Stanley Cup Finals my first season, that I had to be much better in the playoffs and. You know, from that uh, experience, I, I I was in the playoffs my first 13 years.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like you really evolved over the years. Right? And first of all, uh, just to take a step back, your first year in, going to the Stanley Cup is, is tremendous. And I think you said 13 years you were in, in the playoffs. But going back to that first year, I can't even imagine the pressure of going to the Stanley cup and yes, having to deal with the press. I'm just curious though, how did you evolve over the years? Because it's almost as if every year you're expected to perform and you guys were performing at the top already.
1: Yeah. So when I was uh, with Brandon Weekings, uh, we only lost five games, my last season of the year and uh, Doug McCollum was my coach and uh, Brad McCrimmon and Ray Allison were players of mine for the last three years. And so he taught us how to, to react as, and, and play as pros. Uh, we were ready at that time, uh, and that year in, in uh, the NHL merged. So there, it, it, it turned into an 18-year-old draft. So it was 19 before that. So it gave me a year just to mature a little bit more. And, uh, and from my first year in the league, you know, the first game I, I played with Bobby Clark and Reggie Leach uh, as a line. And then I scored the first goal, was my game winner, and I had an assist. And then I you know, I, I scored against Bob Bill Smith, and who was an Islander. And uh, you know I I remember that because you know first game first first game winner, which is was special. And then uh, you know then I thought it was hey it's like Brandon we lost we won all the time. So, so then the second game. We lost 9-2, to two, and I was like, whoa, what's it going to be like after that? You know, because is this the way the NHL is going to be? And then we went a 35 undefeated uh, streak. Probably never will be broken. So at the start, it was uh, great for me uh, you know, just to, to learn from that. And then, uh, you know, then it was tough because we, we still had to win. And it got a lot tougher for you as
0: a result of having to deal with the death of one of your teammates.
1: You know, in 1985, after the Stanley Cup Finals, you know, uh, unfortunately, Pelly Lenberg died. You know, it was it was uh, a bad a, a car accident that uh, he he got in. Uh, it was devastating, and uh, to lose a best player on your team uh, was really difficult. And uh, but again, as I said, uh, you know, being six years in uh, my my career. You know, I learned how to deal with it a little bit different than the the rookies. We had four rookies in the team: uh, Tockett, Mellonby, Zezel, and Smith. So they didn't really know how to react, and uh, we had good coaching and good leaders. And uh, so we kept we came in as a team uh, after the the death to make sure that we were close every day for two weeks, and we had to learn how to deal about it. And at that time, I was six years in the league and uh, I was one of the top leaders of the team at that time. Like I was still quiet, but I led by example and I, and I gave a couple of these young guys that were rookies uh, uh, my advice, you know, how to deal with death and how to come out of it. And so I think what happened was that in 1985, after Pelle died, we became uh, closer. Uh, we played for each other as a team. And we continued to uh, to win. And so by having a good uh, coach and leadership like Mark Howe and Brad McCrimmon and Dave Poolen, made a big difference for me. I was one of the top leaders too. But the examples that I have of the, of the rookies uh, stuck on, with me because every rookie I took to dinner when, at the start of the season. And so I, I got to know them fast. They liked how I did that. And, uh, so I was a quiet leader, but, uh, you know, it made a lot of difference in their lives.
0: You talked a lot about how some of the veterans, when you first came on board, kind of took you under your wings and, and, and helped you and to help you grow and, and, and evolve. And it sounds like that's what you were doing. As you mentioned with, with the rookies that came on board once you were more tenured on the team.
1: Yeah, the rookies, uh, like the, they had good careers that uh, we had good leadership and, Just by having them for dinner, they got to know them a little better, Uh, but, you know, that gives people a chance to loosen up a little bit more and get to know them a little better. And so just by knowing that uh, we're here to the team to make it better, my thought was that I always tried to help everybody and give back and to to teach them from the start. And... uh, you know, in, in a then 85, it, you know, with Pelley dying, you know, that made a difference because uh, it gave me more of a chance to be a, a leader, out, outspoken. Hextall, he, he came in 1987 as a rookie, and uh, we went to the finals again in 1987, and he was the MVP, and we went to the finals against Edmonton. It went seven games. And at that time, I was a top point producer in the playoffs. I I had 28 points in 26 games. I'm proud of uh, what I've done in the playoffs, especially because that's where it counts. So it was my uh, third Stanley Cup final. Unfortunately, I hadn't won any yet, but uh, Edmonton was pretty powerful. Uh, But the, the people remember we fought back from three to one and Forced a game seven, and I was a big part of that. And Ron Hextall won the MVP that year uh, as a rookie. And and I and I, I learned from that. Uh, even if you're uh, losing, you have a chance to to be a, a good leader. And Hextall was was different. He was a good goalie, but he changed the game the way he shot the puck around the the ice. And uh, so that was uh, the new uh, way to, to play with goalies. Uh, he shot the puck as, as well as me, and he could have scored more. He scored <laughs> twice, but uh, he, could have, he could have scored a lot more. But uh, in 87, you know, I learned uh, at that time it was very uh, important for me to uh, continue to get better. And-,
0: and correct me if I'm wrong, but 1987 was a big year for you, an important highlight in your career.
1: At that year, it was a Canada cup was in the, in the fall of 87. So we're the, the best players in the world were we playing in the Canada cup. And so I played for team Canada and we ended up uh, playing a three game series against Russia. I played a line with Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky. And so uh, at that time I was the oldest player in the league at that time and it was my seventh year in the league. But because of the success I had in the playoffs the year before, they picked me as a a leader because at that time I was more experienced. Uh, I played a couple of world championships in 82 and 83. So I knew how to play in the bigger ranks, but this was Canada and it was in Montreal and a three game series, which was, uh, was known as one of the best series in hockey all-time uh, you know every score was six to five we lost the first game six five we won the second game at overtime six five and then we won six five to win the Canada Cup which a lot of people uh, you know are very proud of and it was sort of like uh, playing in the Olympics and at that time the Russians didn't get drafted they had to defect and so it wasn't until 1990 that uh, the NHL had them get drafted. So it was special for them, sort of like the Olympics, uh, but they were really good too. Uh, but I really learned because uh, leaders like uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mike, Mark Messier, uh, Paul, Bo- uh, Paul Cossie, uh and uh, Bork, you know, they, they were top leaders the last seven years. And then, From that, I I also learned from Mario Lemieux, he learned how to win in that Canada Cup. And uh, so it taught him a lesson. And unfortunately for me, he kind of learned from that and uh, won the Stanley Cup in 80, 90, 91 against uh, me in Minnesota. So, but he learned (laughs) from that uh, how to be a much better player.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of people, you know, obviously talk about the Miracle Team when, when, in, in the Olympics when us beat Russia, but in the Canada cup for, uh, you know, that was just as big for Canada.
1: Oh, big time. Yeah. yeah. Because, uh, you know, the series was unbelievable. Like, uh, uh, usually, usually they only have one game that they have and one win uh, the winner, but it was a three game series. And so it was best of three, which, which was special and thankfully for me, uh, we didn't lose two in a row and uh, we still was able to win. So, so I was uh, very happy that I was on the winning side after three Stanley Cup finals uh, with the winning the Canada Cup uh, with the, the best players in the league. And, uh, and, and, you know, i the way that the team was put together was uh, Mike Keenan was a coach. Bob Clark was a GM and a couple other players were there, but uh, they, they knew that it was character players that were made up the team.
0: This is something I've, I've always wondered. And, and I was excited to get you on the show too, because you are my first um, professional sports player to come on the jam session. And I've always wondered from a leadership standpoint, uh, because again, in the corporate world, you know, when you lead teams, uh, oftentimes you have superstars on your team as well, right? And trying to maintain a team unity is very difficult when you're dealing with egos. And when I look at, at let's say, the, the Team Canada, I mean, you're dealing with all superstars, right? And I have to imagine it must be difficult to get
1: that team unity. I think a lot of, a lot of people know that uh, they were the best players on their own teams, uh but when you play for your country it makes a difference because you're playing for team canada and you you put your your, your leadership uh, aside like that's why like i you know i, I play i was lucky to play with uh, gretzky and lemieux most of the tournament but i, I also played with Tockett and uh sutter and so like you know uh, keenan kind of mixed up the the lines every once in a while and so everybody knew that there's a job to do. And so they uh, they figured it out. And the, the best leaders are the ones that don't have to be selfish. They play for the team. And that's why they they were chosen. Uh, I know because uh, a lot of these uh, players that are in the Hall of Fame never played a playoff game uh, in their whole life. And, uh, but you know, they had good points and, stats but they they, they didn't uh, do that as well as i did over my career and so it was uh, important for me to at the start first of all i got drafted 14th overall and uh, you know a lot of better players so could have been past picked but I was, th- I was thankful that the flyers picked me 14 because it gave me a chance to play with a winner right at the start and i learned from that And I had a chance to be in the playoffs every year. And you learn from that, you know, how how to get better. And it gave us an opportunity to, you know, be in the playoffs all the time. Uh, Team Canada, you know, the the better players uh, lead by example. And there's always something that you can do. You can uh, be humble and patient and uh, keep your mouth shut and just work hard. And your, your success will come from that. You know, but it it was also one other thing that happened to me in the conference finals. Uh, Chelios hit me really bad, and I got knocked out. And so I I don't remember what happened after that. I was in the hospital the whole day. Like, uh, at that time, I was a leading uh, playoff uh, point producer. And uh, I only missed one game, which was kind of... uh, (laughs) Right. Odd because uh, you had the testing to go through that. you Usually in football and hockey now you have to at least right. win a wait a week. Uh, but uh, my scram, my brain was scrambled. And uh, but Chalios hit me really bad. He didn't get a penalty, and so you know I, I didn't do much about it. And uh, but uh, at the same time when we ended up losing games in six games in Montreal, uh, Chelios was on the ice and then it was two minutes left. uh, We were losing by two goals and Hextall was so mad. He charged in, he came to Chelios, he hit him, he threw his blocker away at him. And to me, he was such a leader for me, just sticking up for his your team, even though he didn't get a pen. he got a penalty and uh, we lost the game. To me, it, it, it was huge for me, just with his leadership, why it meant to me for sticking up for me. And I, I'll, I'll never forget it.
0: So it sounds like your team member replied in kind, which goes back to what you were saying before, when you talked about Team Canada and how the team you guys really played for each other
1: you can see how passionate hextel was when he played and and that's what i that's what i i love about uh, hockey the more passionate guys are leaders some are loud and some are quiet uh, but over time you learn how to deal and uh, make sure that you're you're better at every everything that you do and so like and then, you know then i then i went to the finals in 1990 with boston uh we in the finals again we we that that year uh it was triple overtime in boston the lights went out uh you know and we lost the first game which which hurt us uh and edmonton was powerful at that time too so you know of course I, you know I, we lost in five the flyers uh, always drafted the, the character people so they, so they knew that they put the team together with right character, but they didn't want the guys that they, they were selfish. And so the Flyers uh, from the start uh, knew that we had good teams and good character players. And so that's from the leadership from Bobby Clark, uh, you know, my first years when I, when I played with him, and to Dave Poulin and Mark Howe, uh, we, we taught each other how to be better.
0: Yeah, and... I think there's a couple of things you said that that's also important and, you know, the power of having the right mentors to learn from, right? Which is, which is crucial, you know, all throughout this episode, I heard you reference the people who have helped you, mentored you. And, and I think that, that, that's critical. The other piece of it too, is how you just continue to pursue increasing your skills, always trying to get better. And it is amazing to hear the humility in you, even after all the success you've had. I mean, you played in five Stanley Cup championships. You were in playoffs 13 out of your 15 years and all the success. And you are an extremely humble individual, which I think speaks to your character as well. And, and I do want to uh, shift gears here because, you know, we talked a little bit about the challenges and diversity that, that you had to face with on the ice but you also had to deal with and overcome some significant personal adversities with with a massive stroke that happened to you almost five years ago.
1: I had afib, which uh, a lot of people have heart problems, like so in your heart, uh, it's kind of beats a little faster. And I had an ablation, which is in the heart, uh, which is a lot of people you have to look that up, but uh, that was ten years before. And so it was, it was after medication, like after six months, like, uh, I, I didn't have to think that I could have to take blood thinners anymore. And so after time, I think the, the ablation wore off. And so, uh, then I probably went into AFib again, uh, because, uh, you know, I still was in good shape. Like I still skate, uh, twice a, a week with my guys that I know in Penn Sock and Skate Zone and I'm in good shape. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, this time uh, I was on vacation in, in Annapolis, uh, September 3rd. I, I, I was there for a couple of days and, I, you, know, I, I, you know, it was okay the first day. That night I had a bad headache. Uh, I didn't feel well. And so what happened is that I fell out of bed and it uh, and hit the side of my head at the middle of the night. I uh, lost a couple teeth. Uh, you know, all those years playing hockey, I never lost any teeth, but I couldn't talk. I couldn't move. Thankfully, my son and daughter were there at the start to be able to go to the hospital in, in a half an hour. So I was in, in Annapolis uh, for five days uh, over the long weekend, and then I transferred to McGee Hospital. It was really tough because at the start, I couldn't talk. And uh, the only thing I could say was, and, and Bernie Pront. And I uh, had to relearn how to re- relearn how to talk. And so it took a long time with my speech therapy, my physical therapy, my occupational therapy. I did it uh, three days a week for six weeks straight. And then I went five days a week uh, outpatient in McGee. And so it took me a year and a half to get much better. Uh, thankfully, uh, after time, I, I had to relearn how to talk uh, and it, you know, just took me a long time. And, uh, but, you know, I am always looking for different ways that I can get better. And uh, you know, I've done a couple things that have helped me uh, the NHL program uh, uh, that they had for me having a stroke. And uh, it was, I had to go to Colorado just to, to drive, to go there. They gave it, for free, so I did a Stelcem treatment, and that was in uh, January of 2017. And Immediately, I noticed an improvement with my speech, and I still have aphasia from the stroke, which means that the words don't get out as much as you want. But I think by me, meeting a lot of people and being outside, uh, outside all the time, talking with people, I'm uh, more comfortable. With uh, talking, and uh, I just learned how to slow it down a little better and uh, take my time. Stem cell
0: transplant, uh, you know, is, is often associated with cancer patients. I never realized it was used for stroke victims as well, and in this, and specifically to help you get your speech back.
1: Yeah, and you know, at the same time, it, it it helps with the joints because a lot of football players uh, have have done that for years, and a couple of the hockey players, you know, need to help, uh, especially their joints. Uh, but for me, it was more uh, helped my speech much much better, and uh, you know, and I kept working at it. You know, I still uh, you know do a lot of different things to to help my body. Uh, Anything with the brain. And another thing that I've been doing is uh, I work uh, I, every night, I uh, use the Beamer machine. It's a company from Germany that's been around 40, 20 years. It helps the circulation in your whole body. From there, you know, I know that I haven't been sick the last three and a half years. I feel I have tons of energy. It's been really amazing and and a couple another uh, thing that i've been working with is work with uh, vox life socks and insights uh it helps the brain recalibrate and so i I'm just trying all these things that to to see if anything can help and i know that i've, I've been talking with a lot of people who have strokes and brain injuries and I tell them, hey, listen, uh, I'm a distributor for Vox uh, socks, so like if you want, just buy a, uh, a couple pair, and it will make a difference.
0: How long before you were able to get
1: back on the ice? A year and a half it took me just to get back on the ice. Uh, and uh, I still skate twice a week, Wednesday and Friday mornings from 7 to 8.30 with a group of guys, two goalies, five on five, full equipment, a couple subs, uh, although we haven't been able to skate the last two, two months, but uh, I'm looking forward to getting back. And, uh, but for me, it was, uh, it's special for me to skate every every time that I get on the ice. It's a group of guys that I've known for 20 years. We have a lot of fun, uh, we're roasting each other, talking, and thankfully uh, the two goalies that I have aren't that good, so I can, <laughs> score and do a guffaw, uh, which I love. I, it's like everything else that I did is I, I love scoring goals. Uh, the excitement of doing that was, uh, exciting for me, but, uh, you know, the uh, over time, uh, the stroke, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, get used to it.
0: All right. So last question here, or, or maybe not even a, a, a question more of just an explanation because you, you referenced it a couple times, the guffaw. Maybe you can share what that exactly means.
1: Yeah. So like, uh, <clears throat> I know Howie Mandel, like he went to all of his shows at Casino in Atlantic City in the 80s on. So I went to a couple shows with him and I had my friend Scott McKay that was there and he went to the show too. And we saw him do the guffaw during the show. So I said, hey, hey I need to do something a little different. I need to have more excitement whenever I score a goal. So guffaw in English uh, dictionary means a hearty laughter and excitement. And so what I tried to do every time I scored, I went to center ice and went guffaw. And uh, it was after I scored the goal, but I wanted to do something a little different. And so, you know, I talked with Howie Mandel and uh, he didn't mind that I trademarked uh, the guffaw. And from that point on, like I started to do the guffaw, and so, like even all my life now, I, t- I taught all the young kids uh, when they go to school. If they're they get an A, Taylor co- teaches to, to to do a guffaw for you know their, their marks because education is so important that in your whole life. And uh, you know, thankfully, uh, I was able to talk with uh, Howie Mandel. Uh, few months ago uh, at a show and uh, talk with him again about, uh, you know, how, how his health is and, and how mine is, is much better. Uh, But I got it from Howie Mandel, the Canadian uh, comedian.
0: That's awesome. I do want to thank you for coming in and and sharing your, your journey as a hockey player, as well as your journey through your recovery after having a stroke. Uh, You are a true inspiration and it is truly amazing to hear your story as you persevered through it and never gave up and continued to work through it and again with such great humility and i know that you're somebody who who's so positive and such a positive outlook on life and it truly was special having you on my show and sharing your story with with my listeners truly appreciate it thanks rob (laughs) Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com.